Dear Media original podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Wine Face, where we're breaking down everything the experts know about wine in a fun, digestible, and accessible way because wine is for enjoying and wine is for everyone. And I'm your host, Helen Johannesson from Helen's Wines in beautiful Los Angeles, California. Today in the studio, we have a great person, someone I'm proud to call my friend, a colleague, peer, may you have it. We have a little touchdown from Austin in the studio. I was in Austin for the Dear Media IRL Summit, in case you missed that. And I had the pleasure of going to eat at this restaurant called Birdie's with my friend Pia. And shout out to Pia. But we sat down and I was immediately just blown away by this restaurant. And the owner, proprietor, partner of Birdie's was at our table, friends with Pia. His name's Arjav Ezekiel. And he is one half owner of Birdie's with his wife, Tracy. She's back of house. He's front of house. He had never had experience building a wine list. Maestroed it up. He has an impeccable wine list, insanely delicious food, a progressive service model. The restaurant really blew me away. I am so excited for you to kind of have a sneak behind the hospitality industry curtain to hear what it's really like from two people who have been at it for a long time and also two people who are parents of young kids. He is a visionary. He is incredibly intelligent and really thoughtful and kind. Someone who inspires me to be a better boss, a better leader. I think that's really cool. So I hope you enjoy it. Take a listen. It is so exciting. I feel like I'm like, wait, are we in LA? Are we in Austin? Arjav, I'm so excited you're here in studio with me to talk about hospitality. Thanks, Helen. Thanks um, for having me. Among many other things. Welcome. I'm it's so excited like, to be here. It's literally like such a joy when you text me and you're like, I'm actually coming to LA. I was yeah. like, fuck yeah. And then I like <laughs> had to hunt down my producer. She was on vacay. I was like, I'm an asshole. Oh, no way. No, it was fine. I'm I, sorry. Uh, no. So I didn't really talk about my Austin trip much ex- because it was for Dear Media yeah, yeah, why yeah. I was there. But we went to your restaurant, Birdie's, and it was one of my favorite experiences I've had eating in so long. I didn't even have the full experience. And that's sort of like one of the things that's I'm sort of bummed about. Cause like I the biggest question I have for you is like, how did you land on your service model? That's not the biggest, but it's my most pressing question in my mind. No, I appreciate you asking it. I think it's like one of the things that's really kind of unique about Birdies is, you know, we signed our lease for that restaurant space like two and a half, three weeks before the pandemic shut everything down. So tiny. yeah, it was a t- it was like yeah, but in a lot of ways, it was actually like the best thing that could have happened for us because mm. it forced us to ask ourselves some like really important questions, mm. which is like, why are we doing this? Yeah. What is the life that we want? We, Tracy and I kind of spent a lot of time talking about our the core principles of how we wanted to live. Yeah. And then we wanted a restaurant that would work for us yeah. rather than us just working for the restaurant. And so we, important in this industry. 100%. You can get and, worked by your own business. I mean, you usually get worked yeah. by your own business. You know what I think? So we, we realized we wanted to start a family. Mm. We wanted time off. We wanted 
there's things for everybody on our team and that required us kind of rethinking the business model. Like I think one thing we realized is we were kind of thinking through it. It was like, okay, we asked ourselves a lot of questions about like who made the rule that you couldn't do like a fine dining, fine dining level, of like food and wine experience with counter service. Right. You know? And I think as soon as we started crunching numbers and doing the math, we realized, Hey, there's going to be a labor, labor shortage in the restaurant industry. There is definitely one now. Oh, totally. And it allowed us to, like hire people with maybe less background in restaurants and train them up in our own way. But we get to run, you know, a restaurant that does close to 200 covers during a busy night with 15 people all day. So that's, that's two dishwashers. Insane. By the way, that's insane. Just chiming in from yeah. an operator standpoint. It's crazy, right? But- it's, it's incredible. But ju- also just <clears throat> the level of food you're putting out, like every single dish is like gems on a plate. It, there's, it's so beautiful. It's like handmade pastas and all this like, craziest steak tartare I've ever had. Like, it's so fucking good. And I was sitting there and we didn't have this experience because you just like ushered us over to a table. Because you're Helen Johansson. Felt very VIP. No, (laughs) I was like, I think it's the people I'm with. (laughs) And then I noticed there was a queue out your door. And I was like, oh my God. So that's so interesting. This is like, we're executing, you're executing at this crazy high level, but people queue up and order everything. But then they can add on. Totally. Yeah, it's like the way it works is basically... It's, it's a counter service restaurant. It's not unlike going to like a taco truck or yeah. something like that where you place your order at the counter. We give you a flag. You sit down and then you have service after you sit down. There's someone there to pour you water, bring you plates, swap out your plates between courses. You'll get cleared. We'll fire your dessert. All the, the meals completely coursed out as it would be at a regular restaurant. But it allows us to have fewer people on the dining room floor. Yeah. And that was very much by intent because one of the things that we're really proud of is the tip pool at Birdie's is flat. So mm-hmm. everybody makes the same proportionate share of the tip pool. It's based on the number of hours people work over the course of the week. So if someone deserves a raise, the business gives them that raise. Sure. But our dishwashers, you know, on a week that a server makes $35 an hour, our dishwasher makes $35 I an love hour. that. And I think that's a really important thing for us, especially because, you know, Tracy, my wife, is the chef. I do the front of house. But like one of the things that was really important to us is because we're in an equal partnership, we wanted the restaurant to be a reflection of that in every way. And uh, we didn't want to value one side of the past more than the other. Yeah. I mean, you guys also have like such amazing pedigree coming from New York, working for Union Square Hospitality. You opened Untitled at the Whitney. Yeah, that's where Tracy and I met. Ah, so romantic. The front of house meets back of house. Love blossoms. It's so like, cliche who would play you in the movie what's crazy even more cliche than that we i was a server when i started and tracy was a manager Uh uh-oh yeah not kosher really but we became really close because we both lived in the east village so we would hop on the l train at the end of the night and we kind of became best friends and you know the story goes like i got pretty hammered one night and like tracy did too and she was like, you know what? We're going to open a restaurant someday. And I was like, oh you know what? God. We're going to get married. <laughs> yeah. and, and you hadn't even her, kissed. No. It was yeah, like we totally platonic. Yeah, it was like we're best friends at that point. Like, That's you know, so wild. Yeah, and then we didn't talk about that conversation. And then like six months later, she texted me and was like, hey, I don't have time for this. Like, are you going to make a move? Oh, my gosh. Or like, I need to go on to like find other things. Like, and I was like, next day I kissed her and we've been together ever since. Ah! 
In Untitled? Did you? Yeah. No, absolutely not. Too many cameras. Come on. I know. Seriously. Oh my God. Wait. I didn't know that whole story. Yeah. And now you have a baby and you're married and yeah. you have one of the best restaurants in the country. So Thank that's you. incredibly exciting. Thank you. The other aspect of what I was blown away by when I went to Birdie's and I brought one of the wines we drank while I was Special there. Wine. The Sylvain Patai. The Fleur de Pinot, the rosé, made in Marcinet. One of the greats. It's like a darker hue, but it's absolutely cosmic and succulent. Is The wine program is absolutely bonkers. It's so good. There's like two lists. There's a secret list. There's like wine everywhere. And you were like, I just started doing it. Like, I think one thing people who listen to this podcast or who reach out to me a lot is like, they want to do what you're doing or they don't know how to get started. Like, how'd you do it? And how much did you know about wine? Because you were a server and you're a manager, but like, yeah. what was that experience like? I'm going to open this. Yeah, rose. please do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we got to do You're on baking mode, yeah, dude. Yeah, <laughs> You know, it was interesting when I started off, I had a, a kind of a nebulous idea of what I wanted to accomplish with the program. Mm. But it was really based in, if I'm being totally frank, the math of it, right? I was like, sure. I, want, I want us to have a profitable business. I know wine equals profit. Like, yeah. let's have a big wine list. Like, that's how we Dine kind of started. wine, yeah. yeah. And I hadn't, you know, I'd been around a lot of wine and all my closest friends in my career had been either Psalms or Cooks. Good palates. Yeah, just good good people too. And yeah. I'm like, no, the people uh, suck. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I got, when I started kind of thinking about what I wanted, I reached out to a really good friend of mine Eduardo Porto Carrera. Oh, I know Eduardo. APC. Yeah, OG. Uh, OG. And he really helped kind of hone my vision of what I wanted to do. And he was like, why is this on your list? Like, you know, what's the farming like? Like, he's like nutty about farming and he's got one of the crazy encyclopedic kind he's, of memories for, for wine. He's incredible. He's the first pers person I had Beaujolais Oh, no from way. in LA and he was like this is wine like, yeah, totally. it's made so well it was when Grace was open here it was yeah. like so long ago and I was like oh my god you're amazing yeah he's like just this like magical charismatic mm -hmm. cosmic human being yes. and like we opened Untitled together and he became a really close friend and I kind of leaned on him a little bit and then I kind of understood after that point what I wanted to accomplish yeah and then it was just quite honestly like reading a lot of wine lists reading a lot of books, yep. like what our distributors had, and then understanding, okay, like this can, what I really wanted was like a diverse wine list. Mm. Diverse how? Like what's the diversity? In every way. Yeah. You know, diverse, like the kind of people who are making the wine, the perspectives they brought. And I thought the moment we opened Birdies, it, it felt like there was a gulf in the wine world between like the natty world and like the classic world. Yeah. And I thought that was total bullshit. I hate that gulf. I just like kind of thought it was dumb and kind of arbitrary so i said like i like drinking both of these things yeah you know and for me like great burgundy like is natural like you know most of great burgundy is is farmed beautifully and they don't use a ton of sulfur and yeah sulfur's uh, not really the enemy and it's also. like yeah it's, it's like actually like, a good thing in some yeah. ways if it's a small amount mm -hmm. especially if you're shipping wine from like you know across the oceans i just tasted these wines that are like supernatural wines and I was like, something's different about these wines. They're way better. And she was like, yeah, they're adding a tiny bit of sulfur now. Go. And I was yeah. like, wow, it's coming from Italy. Totally. It's like, it literally leaps and bounds. The wine, this might be controversial. I think people have a hard time understanding sulfur and how it should be used. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that like, it's also become weirdly dogmatic. But to me, I wanted a list where it could like be a conversation. So mm. like if you 
are used to drinking really natty wines, which are delicious, you know, and you want to like explore the world, we can find a bridge between those two things. And the same thing is true for people who only drink classic Burgundy. It's like, hey, like check out this stuff that's really interesting or check out this Swiss wine that's like really delicious. And I just, I really want our program to be a, a, like a connector yeah. when it comes to wine, not something that says we believe in only this and there, you should only drink this. And there's a lot of value statements that go into that. And It's like hard to circle one thing so intently. Totally. By the way, the Swiss wine, do you have the Charouche, the tampon? No. Oh, I'm going to send it to you. Right. So good. Donach. Have you read that, those wines? I yeah. I'm pronouncing those are, I don't know. Like, don't even, I'm not even going to try yeah. and pretend. Like, is it Swiss German? Is it Swiss French? Like, like, what are we doing? <laughs> I just, I just, I say it the way it sounds in my head. Go for it. Yeah, Yeah, I think there's like a mix of stuff happening now in LA specifically and probably in Austin. Cheers. Cheers. To us. Thank you. Thanks for pouring this. Well, I was like, Oh, I just bring something that's like reminds me of you every time I drink it. And Birdies. That's the most flattering thing anyone's ever said to me. Mm -hmm. Well, because the thing I liked about your list and the way you were talking about wine, the way you were, was I was like, you don't have this anxiety to like have like certain things like and there isn't even some guidebook about what wine should go on a list but people sometimes wear this anxiety of like have you heard of this person do you know this producer there's only like six bottles here and like I think you have a lot of allocated stuff that you've just been like passionate about and you get it but I was like oh this is just like pure enjoyment like you're like all this stuff is dope and I don't think a lot of people have the confidence to do that and also have the confidence to be like, I don't know everything yet, but like, I know this and I know about these wines. And I think those two things might be connected, right? Yeah. Like it's like, think that the more you know, the sometimes you feel like, and I f- have to guard myself against this as I've had more experience doing this now. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, I must have, find a way to get DRC on my list. And no. like, why? We had it on our list and it didn't sell. Yeah. And you know, the problem is, and you'd run into the same one, is it's like, we sell a lot of wine. We sell some expensive wine, but like, no one's trying to like eat at John and Vinny's and drop $10,000 on a bottle of wine. They want to go to like Evan Funky's restaurant and do, do that, that probably. Because yeah. it's like marble and very fancy and like, totally. they're not going to, they're going to let you sit there for three hours yeah. probably. Yep. By the way, shout out to Funky. I still haven't been to his restaurants. God, they're delicious. I like going to Felix. Okay. Go to Felix. I mean, go to Felix or Funky, but Funky's so hard to get into right All now. All those restaurants are impossible to get into. Felix, though. I feel like you could just walk okay. into the bar, bring the Vibe baby, yeah. ask for Davide Matarazzo. He's the wine director, and he's like okay, literally cool. a unicorn from Napoli. Really cool guy. I feel like every Davide I know is like pretty great. So yeah. I'm just gonna follow the I actually the don't know trait. a bad Davide. Yeah, it's like every everyone who every Davide I've ever met, it's like very charming. Interesting. It's like they have a divinity yeah. for being a Divide Davide, divinity and Davide. Yeah, that's such a trip. So you guys didn't open till after the pandemic. Like, how did you? Like, I just think it's so impressive. Well, obviously, your wife is an incredibly talented chef. Yeah. Like. Everything I ate was delicious, and that's so uncommon. And you have such a keen skill in the front, but like, and that is adding to the success of Birdies. Yeah. But like, was it timing? Like, what what has it been like this journey? Like, what was hard? What's the real deal of opening a restaurant? That's a really good question, and something that we were on our two week summer vacation right yeah. now, and something we've been talking about was, you know, what did it feel like then, and how does it feel? Now, two years later, Mm -hmm. we did Birdies was an incredibly scrappy project. We moved down to Austin in 2018 and 
we asked ourselves like, how much money can we raise for this thing? And we were like, I don't know if I can raise more than $300,000 for a restaurant, which yeah. is in restaurant speak, like stupid low. It's not know? a lot of money. It's not a lot Does, of money. That's like they, the kitchen equipment. basically. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so it was a really scrappy project and we spent like a year and a half looking for our space and we found it. And then the pandemic kind of shut everything down. And then we renegotiated our lease like a month after we signed it. Mm. We have great landlords who were very willing to participate in that process. That's so, and, which so was super nice. Clutch. Yeah. yeah. And then when we opened, you know, I think we were very lucky that we found a space with a huge backyard. Mm. And we also were lucky that we were in Texas, which the pandemic maybe ended yeah. like six months earlier there. Than, oh my God. I feel like the, technically the pandemic just ended yeah, in yeah, LA, yeah, FYI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, yeah. Austin was over about two years ago. So we opened just as like people were starting to go out again and do things. So our timing was really fortuitous and we were very lucky about when we opened. I think as far as lessons we learned along the way, I think the the best lesson we learned was <clears throat> do what you want. Yeah. Don't open a compromised version of yourself at the beginning because the thing we learned was we can change. But if you open with a compromised version, it's very hard to go back to like your original vision. Right. And that's very much a testament to Tracy. Right. But she changes the menu. All the time. Daily. But like she changes it based on what, what she wants to do, not based on what she thinks she has to do. Right. And I think that is a subtle but really important difference. Hmm. And there's something that's like really liberating about that when you feel like I don't really need to like change the menu just for the sake of changing the menu or I don't feel like I need to have this category of dish on always. You know, right. it's like we had these bangers on like the menu when we first opened. Like mm. like we had panisse on the menu that people were like freaked out about. It was like kind of like one of those like things people would come in for. And then Tracy got pregnant and couldn't stand the smell of like anything. Wow. Like she like she couldn't stand her food, quite yeah. honestly. So she just changed the entire concept of the like the menu, like what we were serving. To what she wanted to eat. Yeah, or just what she could be around. Oh my know? God. So it was like just cold dishes basically for like <laughs> amazing. four months. But people liked it. Yeah, it was still Birdie's food. Yeah. But it was just like, I don't want to smell fryer oil anymore. Yeah. You know? Like, I get that's what that. it really came down to. So I'm yeah. so impressed by that. I mean, it's also just like following the beat of your own drum is so hard in this day and age. Like, 100%. how do you balance it? How do you do it? How do you like shut the outside world out? And just do what you're going to do. I think, again, it goes back to like not knowing enough about like what the risk really was. You know, yeah. I think we were aware of it and we like took on, but we took on like a risk we were comfortable with. We weren't opening a million and a half, two million dollar restaurant when we opened. And I think right. that allowed us to say like, this is what we want to do. And I think along the way, we've actually like discovered like this new form of restaurant that is much better for all our stakeholders, right? It's like better yeah. for our employees. Yeah. Better for us. It's better for investors. Yeah. It's better for everybody. Like we paid off all our investors in like seven months. It's really amazing. Um, Congrats. That's hard to you. do, everyone, by the way. And, like, and, that's a really fast payoff. Yeah, totally. Great. And I think that was like a testament to the business model yeah. that we created. And, you know, the the fact that we can close the restaurant for two weeks in the summer and two weeks in the winter and pay people for that vacation is awesome you know we just so instituted family leave oh like <clears throat> earlier this year because we know what it's like to have a child and run yeah. a restaurant and if if our mission is to say like we want restaurant jobs to be careers not just like this is what you do before you go do something right unquote better if we want to say this is like a stepping stone in your career right we have to start building like a network and like a system around like each of our restaurants to feel more sustainable 
yeah. be in it for a career. That's such you know? a testament, though, to where you live. Like, LA is not oh, totally. like that. I mean, yeah. I love all of our employees, our team mm-hmm. members, but, like, that's not, like, 90% of them are not, like, yeah. I'm here. Actually, a, there is a good portion of people who've been with us a long time who are hourly in staff, but it's, like... Did that change with the pandemic? Did you feel like there were more people doing it before the pandemic? No, I think there's more people now. Okay. We're also in the middle of these crazy strikes. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. and I, I don't know. I, I think it's also, there's this whole joke that we always say about the restaurant industry is like, we get older, but like yeah. our team members stay the same age. Yeah. You know, it's like restaurants are a young person's game in a 100%. lot of different ways. We've seen turnover in areas that are surprising and like real stability in other areas where it's hard to predict. More stability in the back of the house, less in the front of the house been a little more transient but like there's so many different factors associated with that and so many different cycles like there was the covid flush out then we got all these new employees during covid who worked the takeout model and then when we went to back to dine-in a bunch of people didn't like it and they were like oh what like it's not just takeout model yeah but um we've talked so much about counter service the way you do it so when i saw it i was like this is so cool and when you talked about we, we haven't built a John and Vinny's in that model yet, but we've talked like very deeply about it. Like, how do you make it work? And like, what would, how would it work with what the concept we sure. have? Yeah. It's such a testament though, to like Austin and you're building careers. I think that's what people want there. They're not yep. also trying to like get into the next, I don't know, like Gal Gadot movie, <laughs> which I watched last night. <laughs> it was really good. I was like, later Tom Cruise. There's a female warrior. That's so dope. She's awesome. You just redid your wine list of John and Vinny's, right? We Well, so we simplified it. Yeah. So we just made some change. I, I elected to make some changes to, I don't, you know, I think I should have done this a while. I don't know if I should have done it a while ago, but it was sort of this like post-pandemic Felt like this uphill thing. We had a really big wine list. Every wine that's in each shop was on the wine list. It was hard to navigate unless you knew about wine. There was no logical way I could think of to restructure it because when you have like a book, book. wine list, like if you're at a Spago, it's like it really makes sense to organize it in a wine mental way. For sure. But then it comes off as fucking mental. So I was like, you know what? We're going to make like a hundred bottle list. And some have 150. And it's like it also empowers the team that's in each store to make changes and curate within a selection that's pre-decided because I have one purchaser who helps me buy for all locations. So it's going really well. People like it. It's like, how do you, how's your wine list read? Because like, how do people sell wine when they walk up to your counter? Yeah. So we organize our wine by body. Mm. So if you want something light and crisp, it's like Mm -hmm. pick something in the top third of the wine list. And if you want something fuller bodied, pick it at the bottom third. Yeah, the medium body, pick it in the middle. You know, yeah. it's a little bit like that. Um, this has a similar flow. Totally. And Different I think, monikers, I think but yeah. That wine list to me are usually written for sommeliers and not for guests. 100%. And I think one of the things, like I, we were just in Paris a little bit ago and we went to a restaurant and it just had this voluminous wine list. Yeah. And like I've talked to some friends and they're like, what's wrong with so much choice? And I was like, the problem with so much choice is you you actually don't have as much time to spend with the people that you're dining with. Because it's you're alienating. Buried, totally. You just have your head buried in a book. And 
I think, and if it's you or I, you're like looking for that one gem. Like I'm going to totally. find the diamond in the rough. That's like, this is an amazing price for what it is. 100%. It's going to be singing. Yeah. And most of the time, it's like really what I do is like tell the psalm, hey, this is my price range. Yeah. Just pick something. Like I don't really want to look through yeah. this. I want to have a great experience. Totally. Yeah. And I think like the older I get, the thing, like the more I want things to be simple, easier to digest, easier to like understand where I don't have to spend 45 minutes looking through the wine list that yep. I can say, hey, Trace, what do you want to drink? And she's like, I want to drink white burgundy. I'm mm. like, okay, what's our price point tonight? Yep. <laughs> and then I can pick from like a selection of like six bottles. Yeah. You know? And I think part of being a wine director or some is actually curating and like editing. Yeah. It's like great writing is about actually great editing. Yeah. You know? And I think the same is true about great wine lists. Like it's really about saying, you know, this is redundant. Let's delete this and add this. Or I agree. And when I started looking at them, we did Fairfax first and now we're rolling out Slauson. So all the locations are on this new list. And when I looked at the first one, I was like, Mm, this is exciting. Sure. Like I would sit down, look at this and be like, oh my God, I would order every one of these bottles. Like this is awesome. It's exciting. Yeah. And so it felt like this thing that also became more accessible for more of our employees because we have Psalms, we right. have a Psalm team and we need it. But like, how do I bridge that gap? Totally. Make it easier, simpler. Yeah. And it's the same as with true with like with us because we have counter service. Yeah. You know, it's like you have four and a half minutes to communicate food, beverage, everything with people. And then like, um, we're actually going to put like a junior sommelier on the floor for the first time in, like during to the busy sell more. season. Yeah, because when we have a line, what happens is someone's selling wine in line and sometimes we don't have time to like sell wine on the dining room floor. Ah, so we want to be so able to… you're missing to, that second glass, we, second bottle. Totally. So we just want to be able to serve both ends of the spectrum. We always do our best to prioritize the people inside, but people are waiting outside. The crankiness level goes up if they don't have something to drink. Oh, so. yeah. We've made it as comfortable for people as we possibly can. We've got swamp coolers out. Oh my gosh, like, VIP at Birdies. Because it's so hot in Austin. Dang, How like, do you I, deal with it? I don't. I, 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 we, we should close the restaurant for two weeks so, so we can hot. get out. Wait, so <laughs> there's so much evolution change that's tied up in Birdies that probably keeps you and Tracy so attached to it. 100%. Do you want to grow beyond this location? Yes. And like, how do you, when you think about doing that, like it's such a personal thing. I've been in that position where I'm way too close to everything. I got to get further away from it. So it's sort of a weird spot. Are you approaching that? Or what else do you guys want to do? Yeah, how we, do you do that? We think about like growing our business like three different ways. Mm. So one way is by bringing in other partners in okay. the business and saying, hey, we'll run the back end. This is the business model. We're going to share everything we know. You're the chef talent. I'll help with the beverage. Oh, and that's I so interesting. Go build it. And so like that's one one way I think we can develop our brand and that'll be kind of like something. And then Tracy and I'll continue to do projects together. We have like three or four things. That Concepts that wanna, for Austin. For, for Austin that we yeah. want to do. And then I think the last component of it is, this is like we borrow this idea a little bit from kind of seeing how Fortune 500 companies, et cetera, like kind of diversify their portfolios, like make small little capital investments mm -hmm. in CPG companies, et cetera, rather than doing it ourselves. Totally. We're making smaller bets on, you know, consumer goods, yeah. things like that on the business's behalf. So ah. the business is investing in those small things just to hedge in case there was another pandemic or whatever Something it is. Else. Yeah. So it just gives you a little bit Natural more disaster. kind of like, a, yeah, whatever it is. Seems it just, like the newest thing. Yeah. And if you have a, a cash position, it's like good, you know, it's like what all these big companies do. And I think we 
have learned a little bit from other industries and say, mm. we want to like diversify what we're doing a little bit. Yeah. So it's not just completely reliant on just the brick and mortar thing either. Yeah. But we don't have the bandwidth to go do, you know, a Dave Chang line of instant noodles. Instant noodles. The, the texture on those yeah. noodles. They're dope. So good. I don't love the sauce flavors. Sorry, David Chang. I don't use the sauce. But I, use I the just use the like, noodles. To make dan dan yeah. at home. Like, I use the noodles all yeah, the time. I, sorry, I throw the sauce away. But I use it for my, make my son like these really good like Parmesan Alfredo that with them. Dope. I know. I'm like, you're like Sky, kind of you're crushing vibes, right? life. Yeah, yeah like exactly. Fettuccine vibes. Yeah, and it's so fast. And he mm. loves Parmesan cheese. He loves like sharp cheese, like aged cheddar. Great, wow. Yeah, Reggiano. Yeah. I know. I'm like, we'll be drinking this? Alpine wines yeah. with those things ASAP. <laughs> Dude, the way he tastes wine is he takes his hand and puts it all the way into Love your it. glass, takes it out, and then like sucks on his fingers. And I'm like, okay. I'm into kind it. of into it. Yeah, it's our like, kid, like our kid's like putting his nose into glasses now and he's like, ah, I want more. And how old is he? He's like nine months. How do you balance like having a kid and having a restaurant? Do you work it's at hard. night a lot? Like, how do you guys manage that? Because I feel like it's, yeah. For, it was really hard for me early on. And then I just had to put up like really big boundaries yeah, I think for myself, not yeah. against anyone else. Totally. We're like starting to figure out what that is. Yeah. It's taken us a little bit. It's only nine uh, months. It's only nine months yeah. old. And, you know, I think the thing that's been, and something that like this vacation has been really good for is, you know, I think Tracy and I are really good at making time for him. Really yeah. good time for like good at making time for our restaurant, mm. but not always great for making time for just the two of us. Yeah. And it's so we live hard. together, we work together, we do everything together, <laughs> but we still don't spend time together as a couple. You know what like I mean? Date like date nights. Yeah. Like yeah. we don't just carve out like three hours. We're like, hey, we're going to go like hold hands and eat dinner together. Yeah. You know? That's and what I'm doing tonight. That's awesome. And so I haven't done it in a while. It's like, yeah, ama- it's and great. like this vacation, we're like, man. We found love for a reason, like, and you know, and it's it's really been wonderful for that. And I think when we go back, really establishing like systems now, yeah, so we don't fall back into those old habits of like creating some boundaries around like what we want and making sure we allocate our time to the things that we really want to do in life. You know, um, it's so. Do you have any advice? Like, no. I mean, how, no, did, like, like, how I did you balance? Like, I everything? think it's it's like a mental game because there's like. I, my thing was I felt this like huge pull from my staff of like, we, they really wanted me at a few locations to be there. And like, it's better, not better, but it's, it's, you're here and like, you built this and like, you're adding energy into what is happening tonight or whatever. And I realized though, that I really had to shift it. Like after Sky was born, we put a wine, a, like a beverage director in play. And I realized that like, if I didn't let him be that person, I would always be the person yeah. ahead. Like I would never empower him to be a real leader. Yeah. It was really hard because it's like, it's heartbreaking. It's like, there's one part of me that's like, I want to go work the floor every night. But then, you know, I also want to put my son to bed and I want to make yeah, him totally. dinner. And I think I've moved, you know, I don't know if you can do both. For me, I think I went a little black and white. And I was like, I'm going to focus my energy now on like making things better and innovating our systems and thinking of new things and growing our business to create more opportunity for people, which kind of like slingshots me into the day more than the night. I don't know. It's like it's just so much harder. The problems for, like, change. It's like hard to get moms. shit done. Yeah, yeah, it's so hard. It's just like you know, like I have the like privilege, quite honestly, of just being like, 
like Tracy's still feeding him, you know? Yeah. So she has to like, like her day is based on his schedule like completely. Pumping you know? is like, it's like a, such a job. It's like all of it is. It's a like she has job four her, jobs. You know? Pumping was so it's such a job. Yeah. You just like you have to make sure you eat enough and drink enough water. Otherwise, you can't yeah. get enough milk. Yeah. Like it's like this constant. It's women have it. It's a tough. tough, <laughs> it's a tough. Yeah, totally. But we're very lucky that we have like. I uh, think the balance. The balance. You'll find the balance. And we have like a wonderful management team that's yeah. like take, you know Sophie and TJ have done like an incredible job of lifting and alleviating a little bit of that pressure on us. And that's great. Um, Sophie is. Who's a big fan of the show, by the way. Oh, uh, hi, Sophie. Oh, uh, I think I met you her. Met Sophie. Yeah. 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 Uh, I feel like the big thing is don't beat yourself up. Cause like it's so yeah. easy to inflict like this guilt. Guilt. Yeah. And like I should be there. Totally. I, I'm not there. And like it's okay. Yeah. You know, people okay. are still having a great time. Yeah. And I think that's like if you can save yourself that stress, we'll all like you'll live longer. Yeah. I believe. Totally. Well, I think <laughs> and look better. Well, it's helpful to have people like you in like positions of power, quite frankly. Like oh being, <laughs> being able to like share some of that, you know, yeah. because I think like you've opened up the path for a lot of people, including like people like me who Aww. haven't done, you know, don't have a background in this world. But I think listening to your podcast has also made it made it feel easier for us to say, hey, like I can do this. You yeah. know, and I think the lesson to anybody who's like on the cusp of like opening their own business or like is interested in doing wine. It's like, don't pay somebody else to do it. Just do it. Figure it out. Fail. Yeah. And then figure it out. Like it's okay to fail because yeah. like, you know, don't buy a bunch of wine. Yeah. Buy like small amounts. And Tiny if you, bit. If it's like, hey, this is not selling. Like just put something else on. Oh my God. And read a lot of wine lists. There's a lot of really like from people you admire and you'll start saying, okay, cool. Like this is, these are different ways we can like you can click and this click. is my yeah, style totally. and like I'm going to own it. And then you can end up being be a better version of yourself and like really expressing yourself rather than just being yeah. like, I you think I need to do this yeah, in you a certain sort of way. Exactly. You can't back away from what you're doing until you've really figured totally. it out. And yeah. I think that's like, and even when it, you're still constantly trying to figure it out. Yeah. We're always like reevaluating everything, everything. Yeah. it's so crazy yeah. okay so before we go yeah. i love to do a rapid fire oh, right now Yikes. it's very easy okay but just whatever you're feeling okay. right now are you ready yeah go for it. okay white or red white <laughs> orange or rosé 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 fried chicken plus fill in the blank fried chicken plus and champagne champagne yeah. <laughs> Caviar or truffles? Truffles. Not truffles. Even a oh my God. It's so controversial. And so what's your current drink order? While you've been on vacation, what's your current drink order? Huber Lomi. Wherever I can get it. Huber Lomi. Yeah. So hard to get. We have some squirreled away at our offsite cellar. Um, and then, For those I, of you who don't know, Huber Lomi is Whiteberg. But also like non-alcoholic drinks are yeah. so awesome. Like yes. I, I'm like going through a phase where I'm like, I can drink all this stuff without feeling like shit the next oh, day. Oh, Yeah. I I like not feeling like shit the next day. I don't drink a ton. But I also had, think it's being a mom. Yeah. Totally. I make my own NA. I've been drinking like water, ice, lime, Himalayan sea salt. Dude, yes. It's so, so hydrating. In India, it's called nimbupani. And oh. it's like um, a thing. It's just like lime salt water. It's so it's good. It's like incredibly hydrating. Yes. It's like the original Gatorade. You feel great. Delicious. Oh my God. That's so, been my number one. I have yeah. it every morning. Also, if you've never had, have you had any of the non-alcoholic ciders by Etienne Dupont? Yes, those Dude, are those so are good. on ice, like <sighs> unbelievable, and they're dry. That's why oh I like them. Gosh. Not sweet. They taste like like walking through an orchard. It's amazing. We used to use those at Twamac when we did the non-alcoholic oh, cool. pairing. When I way back in the day, when I helped with Twamac, 
go so long ago. Shout out to Ludo. I know. If people want to visit Birdies or see what you're doing, how do they find out? Our website's birdiesaustin.com. Instagram is birdiesaustin. And then we're on the corner of 12th and Harvey in East Austin, Texas. So come say what's up. I can't recommend it enough. Honestly, one of my best meals so far this year. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. I know. So good. You're the best. Cheers. No, you are. You are. Okay, I'll take it. (laughs) I mean, doesn't it just make it feel like we could all just open a restaurant? No, I'm just kidding. He makes hospitality have this real glamour that I think it should have. And instead of it being this grind that's grinding down on you, it's this thing that's uplifting you. And I feel the same way. I also believe that there's people who are cut out to work in hospitality and it's in our blood. And there's some people who work in it and maybe they shouldn't. I'm not the judge of those people, but Arjav and his wife, Tracy, are really doing something incredibly special with Birdies. I encourage you to go eat at this restaurant. It is so, so good and so fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Cheers. Show them some love. Check them out on Instagram. And if you want to see what we're doing on Instagram, you can always follow along at Helen's Wines. And if you need a gift or you want to join our wine club or maybe you just want to buy a tote, go to helenswines.com. We got all that stuff there. Cheers.